0: Welcome to Naturopathy Today. Your hosts are Dr. Michael Schwartz and Steve Langford. Join them as they guide you on a journey to good health through holistic naturopathy. Now here are Michael and Steve.
1: Hi, and welcome to another exciting informative naturopathy today. I'm your co-host, Michael, with my good bud Steve Langford from HealthQuest Podcasting. Good morning, Steve. How you doing?
0: I'm doing very well, Michael. Thank you very much. How are you?
1: Real good. Thanks for asking. No complaints. It doesn't help plus if i tell you mine you'll tell me yours i'll feel comfortable i'll tell you the rest of mine we'll never get to the podcast so. that's
0: right i i know you all too well michael so uh, <laughs>
1: let's not do that
0: <laughs>
1: let's not we'll do it anyway i'm sure <laughs> maybe down the road so last week we were talking about sinuses and a bunch of other stuff so i thought we would continue along the respiratory track Especially now, I know if you heard on the news last week or the week before, even about the RSV that's sweeping the country, the respiratory virus with children.
0: Yes, it sounds so scary if you're a parent of a young child these days. It's, I hear about it. And what's interesting to me is, you know, it seemed like it was all of a sudden and, and apparently there's a lot more cases right now, but this is something that uh, people deal with every year. And I don't know that I've ever actually heard of it before this year.
1: I heard about it last year because I had a retailer call me and ask me what I would recommend. So, of course, my first thing was build the immune system, you know, vitamin A, or you could even do A, C, D, zinc, you know, panthenic acid, but build the immune system was number one. And number two, take a look at herbs like fenugreek, comfrey, mullein, which are good for the lungs and help break up phlegm and mucus. And that seems to be one of the major issues because the kids are having a hard time breathing and bringing in oxygen. So by bringing in those herbs, it'll break up the phlegm and mucus and pull it out of the body. One of the things that occurred to me, Steve, is that when my kids were young, and I'll assume yours as well, even though there's differences in ages, we didn't have RSV as a a nomenclature for a disease. You know, we had the flu, we had the virus, and we had the colds, period. And that was it. Bronchitis, another term. But not something to the degree that we have today. So that led me to thinking about the number one cancer cause killer today, which is lung cancer. And we've talked about this before. And so the RSV stimulated two different types of thoughts. One was with all of this need to smell good, you know, by putting junk in the washing machine. Spraying stuff in the air. The kids are exposed to this stuff. You know, we think it's safe because otherwise wouldn't the FDA have shut it down? So we assume that everything that's in the marketplace is safe for consumption. And I use the term consumption because no matter what you eat, breathe, drink, apply to your skin ends up inside your body doing damage if it's not a hundred percent organic and natural so I'm thinking on a lot of levels we've created this respiratory weakness through the over inhalation of all of these chemical substances that are designed to keep our house our car our clothes our linen, our towels smelling nice That was one thought <laughs> and The other thought was that, you know, not every child is going to get sick. And I've used this analogy once before for going back to school. Not every kid in the classroom gets sick. Not every child is going to end up with RSV. And what's the difference? Obviously, those that get sick may be living, uh, they may be malnourished to begin with. They may have a weakened immune system. They may have been created in an unhealthy body. And what I mean by that is any mom-to-be who's living and eating the American diet is not creating a solid, healthy child. They're just not because they're bringing in too many chemicals, which are already corrupting cells during fetal development. So those were, you know, that was the second and was the emotional component about, you know, turmoil. There could be issues in the house. And we don't think that children are affected because they may not, quote unquote, understand the nature of the yelling or even the feeling of the energy where it's tense and confrontational. Even if the parents aren't saying anything, they may internalize it, which still gives off a negative energy. So I think those undermine the child because remember, you know, we talked about this last week where respiration is deals with faith in self because oxygen is spirit, because God lives in heaven. So air is spirit. So anything respiratory deals with doubt in self. So that was my take on the RSV situation that's going on.
0: Well, you made some points there that, as always, raise questions in my mind and and generate other thoughts. One of them was, we have heard over the last few years, women have been experiencing problems related to talcum powder that they may have been using for perhaps decades. And I'm thinking This is this very safe stuff we use on our babies. We powder their bottoms. We put this uh, powder. And of course, when you apply it, it's such a fine powder. It puffs up into the air. So you know the baby's exposed to that. And so I'm wondering, are are we then, by the application of things which we have been told were safe, preached to us with some certainty that, oh, this is safe, baby powder, baby shampoo, uh, baby wipes, baby creams, all of these things that we might be exposing our young children, infants to, not to mention the exposure uh, prenatally that the mother may be experiencing, but even a, a, a conscientious person may have been using these things because we thought they were perfectly fine, and yet we're getting them in the skin, we're getting them in our food, our water. Water and in this case of this talcum powder in the air, which think it's breathed in. And if yeah. we're not conscientious, our children may be exposed to things like formaldehyde from fabrics and carpets. And who knows what's in the fabric softeners that, you know, make it soft and smell good. You know, we're so obsessed with that kind of approach without really understanding what it is we're doing, why we're doing it, and that there may be a much better way to do it. Do you think that these things are, in some ways, contributing to this weakness in perhaps the immune system of these children?
1: Absolutely. And I think the points you bring up were brilliant because, you know, there is a bestness in talc, and that's the issue. And once it's in the body, it's in the body. And there's not a whole hell of a lot that can be done about it. And you bring up another really great point, Steve, and that is, you know, sometimes, And I make a joke because I think laughter is the best medicine. You know, the whole thing about no complaints. And then sometimes I'll actually say to somebody, well, you know, I do have one complaint and you just brought it up. And that is people don't think, you know, just because it's in the marketplace. Well, you know, hey, our government takes care of us. I'm sure the FDA wouldn't, you know, approve anything that hurts people yet. If you take a listen, or I was going to say take a look, but if you really listen to commercials while you're being distracted by the park, the band, the dog, the beauty, the nature, meanwhile, in the background, you hear, well, this product may destroy your liver, kill your lungs, make you brain dead, and create a fatal attack. So, if so, consult your physician. Well, <laughs> no one pays attention to that, but that's the whole thing. They even approve drugs that they know, know will kill people because during the testing phase of the drug, that's exactly what it did. And yet they still allow that drug to be marketed. Makes you wonder. Another point you brought up, and that is, yes, I am a firm believer that there is a natural approach to every given situation we encounter. You know, my kids are in their 40s and I don't know what percentage of people in their 40s are already on meds, but neither my daughter, my son-in-law, my son and my granddaughter who's in her 20s, none of them are on any kind of medication. None whatsoever. Because unlike most parents, we don't come from fear. We come from knowledge. By being exposed into the health food industry and having become a vegetarian, even before our children were born, we were into health. So we have the confidence and the, the courage to treat the children naturally because aside from my years of counseling, I'm going back to, you know, when they were kids and I wasn't a naturopath yet. I knew what supplements could do for kids. And so I don't, I think that people don't do enough investigation. They don't challenge. Do you remember the bumper sticker back in the 60s? Resist authority.
0: Yes, I remember.
1: (laughs) That was one. Did you guys sell in your store FDA? go to health?
0: <laughs> no, I don't think I ever did.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, that was another one. That was one of my favorites. But anyway, everything that we deal with, I think can be approached from a natural perspective and dealt with. So so there was that for the RSV, the build the immune system. And then those herbs are great for all of the respiratory issues. Well, you we can't do comfrey anymore. I don't even know if it's in the marketplace, but certainly Slippery Elm, Marshmallow, uh, Whorehound, pleurisy
0: Root, Fenugreek. You mentioned those Fenugreek, help. one of my favorites. Really, is People it? don't realize how effective something like an herb can be, you know, and I started to interrupt here, Michael, but I have to say Fenugreek was what the herb that got me through my allergies. Back when I was moved back to Wisconsin, experienced allergies here for the first time, sometimes I would be miserable, couldn't see to drive because my eyes would swell and water and itch. And so I found, I mentioned before the vitamin C and pantothenic acid, those two things, if I took them in advance, but back to the fenugreek, I found that Fenugreek tea with a little bit of peppermint for flavoring it was the best decongestant I've ever found as a tea. Warm, soothing, and it just seemed to work so well. So I wanted to lend my personal endorsement to that particular herb, even though I know all these others are particularly good as well. I've taken them as supplements, but fenugreek tea, uh, drank as a tea, was one of those things that was a wonderful remedy for me. And the point I want to make in addition to that is you got to try these things, see see which one works for you. You have a whole world of opportunity to explore herbs and nutrition and diet and lifestyle. And if you just begin to try these different things, you're going to find what works. Giving them to children um, and toddlers is a bit of a different challenge, though, I find, because sometimes getting them to take something that might be good for them is often challenging. So have you had experience using, say, teas or even, and I don't know this, if you make any formulas for children that might, you know, fill that bill?
1: Yeah, I think that everything I do could be utilized by a child, even a baby, to some degree depending upon the age and how food is being administered to the child. Because something like fenugreek tea, which I would also throw in some slippery elm, because slippery elm also balls up mucus and pulls it out of the lungs. So I would make a strong tea of that, and I would sweeten it with honey. Because, you know, building on how they're conditioning us to eat poison and garbage is through the addition of salt and sugar. Now, the reason for the salt addiction, no one ever thinks about this, or or let me rephrase that. Some people may think about this, (laughs) but I think that our salt addiction is hereditary in the sense that when we came over on the boats from the way back in the Mayflower day, when we first colonized the states, the food that we brought over was stored in brine as a preservative. So everything we ate had a super salty taste. You know, we may have tried to wash it away, but still it would have gotten into the you know the food stuff. So we have this natural inclination to want to taste salt. And sugar, of course, you can hide anything and everything. As long as it's sweet, we'll consume it. So with the slippery almond fenugreek tea, I would say make a a strong tea, strain it. You could feed it to them in a bottle. You could crush up tablets and give it to them in applesauce because that's something that they'll like. And so, yeah, you can treat your child naturally, but it's going to take courage and confidence. And you should do some research. You should learn about the herbs and the nutrients so you know what to do. As well as you know, talking to people like Steve and myself, who are knowledgeable. I'm not going to say we're experts. We may border on expert. Ask us. We're geniuses. We'll tell. We you.
0: may we may bore them as experts. <laughs> we'll um, let me tell you. Here's here's a home remedy. Uh, I'm not sure what you will think about this, but uh, when my first child was oh probably less than a year old. And, you know, I had just started my health food store, new father, didn't know very much. And my son had a terrible cough. And we were just beside ourselves as new parents knowing what to do. Fortunately, my mom lived just down the street from us and I called her. She said, come up here, I know what to do. So we brought our son to my mom and her remedy was a little bit of honey with a little bit of whiskey. (laughs) And she gave him just a little spoon of this, and it calmed his cough down. And before we know it, he was not being bothered in that it did help him, and it certainly soothed our anxiety. But again, one of those wild home remedies that my mom was kind of well-known for Uh, She had a reputation for using some crazy concoctions, um, such as she would spray WD-40 on her arthritic knee and swore that it helped her. And I know other people who do, gin-soaked raisins, things like that. Um, So there are home remedies that um, (laughs) we might look askance at today, but who knows? Maybe there was good foundation to all of those. So thanks for indulging me on that little bit of nostalgia there, Michael.
1: Well, you reminded me when you talked about the uh, raisins and gin, it was white. Raisins. And my mom and my aunt did that for arthritis. So, and here's another old home remedy from Europe, and that is uh, take a new potato, slice it into quarters, put it in a glass of distilled water, let it sit overnight, and drink it first thing in the morning. That too was a remedy for arthritis. Another one for arthritis in the feet was to walk in dew drenched grass. First thing in the morning, that was another one Uh, for cataracts. And I know this works because I've I've used it on clients or I've recommended it to clients who came back and told me, oh, my God. And that is you take some raw, uncooked, unfiltered honey and put a couple of drops in each eye before you go to bed. And what that will do, your eye obviously is going to stick together. But in the morning, you take some warm water and rinse out the eyes And the enzymes in the honey will eat away at the cataract and clear up the eyes.
0: That's an amazing tip because simple, easy to use, and you're going to know whether it works. And honey, you know, the properties in honey could take up a show in itself. People don't realize how good it is.
1: The more processed anything anybody consumes, the more detrimental it is to one's well-being. Well, That's isn't honey,
0: even honey. just honey taken by the spoonful, good for respiratory issues, like just by itself without anything added to it?
1: Well, the only thing that it might do is soothe any, the cough, but I don't, Okay. I don't think it'll do anything in terms of breaking up phlegm and mucus and or enhancing the Immune system to get in there and kill. I honestly don't
0: know. I raised B. Okay, no, I think you're right. The the throat is what I was thinking of. But I know we're really short on our time, but could somebody add powdered herbs like powdered fenugreek or whorehound to honey to feed to a child? Would that be an effective way to administer an herb?
1: That would be, absolutely. And I also, for sore throats, another thing that I've done is I'll take garlic, mash it up, mix it in honey, and maybe let it sit overnight, then strain the garlic pieces out and give that to the kids so now you've got the allison from the garlic which is you know one of the killers as well as the honey to coat the throat and the garlic will irritate and by being an irritant it brings blood to the area full of you know antibodies which help clean up the area
0: so Well, I'm a big fan of old home remedies because they were written off for so many years, and now we're finding out there's good reason for these home remedies. So um, snake oil, it's a good one. Snake oil has all those good omega-3 fatty acids. That's why it helped people. <laughs> you know? So anyway, I got off on a couple tangents there, Michael, so... We'll, we'll pick I d- this up next time. Huh?
1: <laughs> and, and next week, we will get into a little bit of emphysema and some other respiratory conditions and uh, what to do about them. So on that note, Good enough. you all take care. Steve, thanks for joining me this morning. Have yourself a fabulous
0: everything, and uh, we'll talk. I look forward to it, Michael. Thank you, folks, for listening. Recommend us to your friends and social network. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Naturopathy Today, sponsored by MNP, Michael's Naturopathic Programs, at michaelshealth.com. Join us every Monday for the latest episode in this journey to excellent health on all levels.